And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. And a blessed Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. We're so glad you could join us. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. How important is a working conscience? Romans chapter 2 will tell us. So far we've learned that God's judgment is based on facts, God's judgment is according to one's deeds, and God's judgment is impartial. The last verses of Romans chapter 2 will wrap up this teaching. And now with his message for today is our pastor, Robert Elliott. And so, since conscience is a very important factory installed characteristic of a human being by God, Satan delights in searing consciences or in trying to minimize their role in a person's life. Satan loves to lie to make people think that an active, healthy conscience is like a gallbladder. No one really needs one. In fact, you're probably better off without one. Adolf Hitler, in his writings, denied the existence of a conscience in humans. Hitler called conscience, quote, a Jewish invention, a blemish, like circumcision, end quote. That's how Adolf Hitler ordered the murder of nine million plus people and still slept well at night. And so verses 14 to 16 contend that Gentiles will be judged for violations of their own consciences. But on the other hand, Jews, according to verse 12b, Jews will be judged for violations of God's revealed law that they held in their hands. Now, let's look at verses 14 and 16. For when Gentiles who do not have law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternatingly accusing or else defending them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. Now to be sure that some sins can successfully, at least for a time, be held secret to the people who are around the sinner. But they are, in fact, always in the open before an all-seeing and an all-knowing God. And if the conscience isn't damaged, and if the conscience isn't seared like a steak in a fry pan on your stove so it doesn't work anymore, then the conscience points out secret sin to the person who sins it. Some people say, well, our consciences are shaped by our upbringing. Our consciences are shaped by our society. Our, well, there's some truth in that, but the fact is that a healthy conscience that isn't seared trumps, no pun intended, trumps environmental, societal, taught values. There was a missionary to northern Brazil and he worked with tribal people, and he observed one night a very nervous and fidgety native with sweat on his brow enter the village and seemed very uneasy even to be in the presence of his dear friends. Later, the missionary learned that this young man had just killed a man of another tribe. 
And although this in his society was not considered wrong to kill a member of another tribe, this young man was obviously under the pressure of a guilty conscience. Because when our conscience is functioning as God intends it to function, we know right from wrong, even if the law of a land doesn't distinguish it to be wrong. Legalized abortion is a sad case in point. When legislators say it's okay, but birth mothers and birth fathers, when you sit them down and you pray for them and you show them a sonogram and they say, this is wrong. Praise the Lord for ministries like the Bahamas Godparent Ministry and others who are helping counsel people in troubled pregnancies to give life to their babies. Adoption, perhaps. So if you would be here this morning without Jesus Christ as your Savior, let your conscience given to you by God show you you need Christ. Run to the burned-off spot. When we come to the communion table, the best thing you could do would be to bow your knee to the Christ who's the person who work behind this table and receive salvation. Let the elements pass you by while you're doing business with God. For those of us who know Christ as Savior, come to these elements with great thanks that we've been provided a burned-off spot and we've run to it and we're spared from God's future wrath. What have we seen this morning? We've seen God's judgment, three things about it, three principles. God's judgment is based on facts. God's judgment is according to deeds. And God's judgment is impartial. I want to close with two scriptures, and then we'll pray. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He, that is God the Father, made him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Never get over that. Second, Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Never get over that either. What a huge relief to be out from underneath God's condemnation and judgment. Let's live thank you kind of lives back to him all the days of our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in your great love you obeyed the Father and you came to die in our places. And how grateful we are, Lord Jesus, that your blood, your perfect blood, your atoning blood has washed us clean, is washing us clean, and will forever wash us clean who know and trust you. Lord, I pray that we would not be moralists, that hypocrites, but Lord, help us to live a thank you kind of life back to you and get the word out that Jesus loves and has died for sinners and made a way for them back to God and into heaven. And we pray these things in Jesus, your name's sake. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas in another edition of Youth Talk. Today we want to continue on our series as we talk about family feud. And like I said, the summer is already here and you know, the kids are home and, you know, we're at that stress level where, you know, we got to find something for the kids to do. You know, as I think of my life, I think of when I was growing up and, you know, there weren't many different camps around that I could go to. Um, my parents could send me to. But today it seems like there's a camp every week um, that kids are sent to. And, and, you know, we keep them busy all the time, all year long. And, you know, it's not like how when I was... Growing up, when I would have a summer break, 
You know, I would spend time in the neighborhood, play basketball, and just do things outdoors. You know, today we have the whole electronic system and all these different problems that we have. And, you know, like we talked about last week, we talked about how we are imperfect people, which brings us to the point where we want to look at today, that God calls us to be patient. First of all, we need to understand that God is patient with us. Think about it. The good news for us is that God is patient with us. When Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't say, come on. He didn't respond with anger, frustration, and vengeance. Instead, he had a conversation with them and told them, this is what you have done. How do you know you're naked? You only know that because you've eaten the fruit. Um, you know, they were cast out of the garden. But here it is, is that, you know, he just didn't, you know, come down with the hammer. But they sinned, and they caused sin upon the whole world. When we consider God is patient with us, we need to recognize again in our lives how much things we have done wrong. But yet God pursued us and he wants a relationship with us. And this morning we'll look at a passage of scripture in James chapter 1. Um, it talks about how patience works and how patience is something that we need to be with each other. And it says in James chapter 1 verses 19 to 20, it says this, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. You see, we need to recognize that we need to be patient with each other. The first point is we need to be quick to listen. Now, if we're all honest with ourselves, it's hard to listen. You know, I can think about being in school um, and you have those listening comprehension tests and you know, it's very hard to just sit there and listen and, you know, have no sound besides the, you know, tape recorder that's playing a story that you need to um, keep a record of and, you know, answer the questions of the story. That becomes very difficult, and sometimes we may think of it as boring. But we need to be quick to listen to those around us. And most family feuds can be um, summed up and could be stopped before they even started. We just listen and hear from the perspective that the person was thinking. You know, a lot of times when we have these problems in the families, um, you know, different arguments or disagreements, it's because we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on in a person's life. We don't know what's going on with our parents at work. We don't know what's going on with our kids in school. And sometimes it's just a, a lashing out of just, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you know, and it's, it's a few that's happening. That's why we need to learn to listen. Listen to each other in the home. Listen to your, you know, your parents, listen to your kids, listen to what they have to say, because we need to hear from them. But it also says to be slow to speak. Again, if we aren't, if we are quick to listen, now we're slow to speak. You know, think about it. Have you ever said something immediately and regret it? You know, if we're all honest with ourselves, we could all say we have. So we need to be slow to speak. Don't just say things on the spur of the moment of how you feel. And as a parent, I know what this is like. I know we say things to our kids that we wish we could take right back, but in that moment, we are upset or, we, you know, something is going on that we say it and we can't take it back. And we hurt our kids' feelings. I think too many times, again, we are so quick to speak and not ready to listen. And that third point is this, be slow to get angry. Again, as we think of anger and we think of how much times, it, it, some people are more patient than others and it takes a long time for someone to get angry. 
But let's be honest. If, if I'm honest with myself this morning, and I'm transparent, I can tolerate a lot from people. I tolerate a lot from people, but when it comes to my family sometimes, I can get angry very quickly because I haven't dealt with my problems that I already have or the things that I'm dealing with. And I think that that's our problems a lot of times. We don't deal with every problem that we have, and so we get angry very quickly. But this is very clear. Be slow to get angry. Don't allow yourself to get angry. Take time to do things. You know, for me, one of the, the, the stress relievers that I love to do is play basketball, where I could go and clear my mind and, and I can do things, and that just helps me clear my mind from, from everything that's going on. But I think that as we consider this truth and we look at James chapter 1 and we look at how it's very clear, it tells us all these things. Then verse 20 said this, For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Again, as we think of anger, you know, yes, Jesus himself got angry in the temple. And there's nothing wrong with getting angry. That's very clear here. It says be slow to get angry. Because we should be angry when we see injustice going on and things going on. But it's telling us as we deal with different problems that we be slow to get angry. You know, as we, you know, start this series and we talk about this series, you know, I want to tell you about an opportunity that we have here at Calvary Bible Church as on July the 5th at 7 o'clock, we're going to have a movie here and it's going to deal with some family issues. And the movie is called A Question of Faith. And I would like to invite you, if you'd like to be a part of this, if you'd like to come, um, it, it serves as a fundraiser for some of our youth to, to go on trips this summer. And, you know, we want to, to, to just raise some funds. So um, tickets are $5. If you'd like to know more about the movie, you can easily call the church office at 326-0800 and ask for Pastor Nicholas, and I can give you more information. Or you can stop by the church and get tickets. But it just deals with some of these same issues that we're talking about here, how in the family, even in the pastor's family, the issues that come about and how we as pastors need to to just recognize that our family comes first. So again, I would challenge you as we think about this, that you would be patient with your family. This is Pastor Nickelman, the edition of Utah. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Good morning, listeners. Pastor Rob Elliott here in the recording studio with my sister in Christ, Priscilla Murphy. Good morning, Priscilla. Good morning. We have been having some conversations on previous broadcasts about the rich ministry that you've been given from the Lord, a mentoring ministry for women and girls to be a part of. And we've been able to see that it's biblical, that it's already begun in Calvary Bible Church, but our heart is to see it go beyond our four walls and to be a blessing to our neighbors in Mason's edition and maybe uh, to see the Lord use this model in other assemblies uh, in Nassau and, and elsewhere. So Priscilla, I thought I'd like to come back and just step back a bit from the specifics of the RICH program to talk about some other things that are related that I think you are well acquainted with. Let's start with God's Word, the Bible. Um, how has God's Word, over the years of you being a believer, how, is it, how has it helped you? Well, you know, Pastor Elliot, I see God's Word as my life. Mm. As my life. Yes. It is uh, it's so wretched and it's so 
full of um, life. Yes. Because, you know, it says that in John, he came to give us abundant life. Yes. And that abundant life is in Jesus Christ. Yes. You know, even though when we become a believer, you know, there are times when we not wouldn't be walking with him all the time. Yes. But we know we have a Savior who was able to bring us back on track. And I was I was thinking in John, it says, when you are straight away, he convicts you of, of, of your sin. Yes. And then he said, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the word cleans me up. It does. When I you know my thought life is not right, the Holy Spirit, he reveals himself to me. He said, you have to go back to the word. And so the word of God is is rich and is fresh. It's one that cleanses us from our sin and causes us to get back on track. Yes, that's so good. Well put. Um, in Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17 and verse 17, he said to his father in prayer, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is, is truth. truth. Yes. And so uh, the word of God has been such a, a strengthening nourishment in my spiritual life over the years. And someone has said the Bible uh, keeps you from sin and sin keeps you from the Bible. But uh, we're so grateful for his word. I know you are. Now, let's talk about prayer, the spiritual discipline of prayer. Could you comment? Uh, let's take a different slant a bit. Can you help us know how you how you've grown to have that discipline in your Christian life, I know you you have it. And what does it look like for you? How do you how do you pray? Is it is it a certain time of the day? Is it uh, with a certain model that you pray in accordance with? Uh, what would you say about prayer? Well, prayer is a relationship with God mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit, the, the Triune God. Yes. And earlier in my life, I had develop a pattern of say devotion yes get up and pray get up and have a, a, a certain time to pray yes but Pastor Elliot I can tell over the years um, that model has become bigger yes because wherever I am in my kitchen uh-huh. I pray yes whether it's in my shower yes. I pray yes in my car yes I pray at night time before I go to bed I just pray. In the middle of the night, I get up. The Holy Spirit, I pray all the time. We talk all the time. It sounds all like praying without ceasing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it says in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Yes. But it's just a passion for praying. These last days, you know, it's like I just have, I just meet with God. I just meet with Him. You know, He meets with me. Yes. Yeah, and we just have a conversation, pray all the time. Yes. yes. So yeah. we we uh, audibly or or we can pray inaudibly yes. in our hearts when we talk to God equally he impresses upon our hearts mm-hmm. and when we're in a posture mm-hmm. of prayer you mentioned just a moment ago that you've sensed the Holy Spirit's presence as you pray. Yes. And I have too. And and uh, the Lord has never spoken to me audibly. Uh, I believe he's given me a completed Bible to do that. But he's certainly laid impressions on my heart mm-hmm. as I've prayed. Mm-hmm. And it's very precious. It's, it's a relationship. Yeah, like and said. also it has to do even with a community of prayer. Yes. Meeting with believers and praying. That helped to strengthen your, your spiritual growth and development. Definitely. The church, the body of Christ, you know. Yes. 
prayer meetings at Calvary Bible Church are on Monday nights at 630. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Let's uh, transition from uh, prayer to uh, witnessing, sharing the gospel. Tell us some things you've learned or things that you're passionate about, please, about sharing your faith with persons who do not yet have that saving faith. Well, you know, um, saving faith is one that is telling someone about Jesus Christ, coming to into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. Outside of Jesus Christ, outside of relationship with Jesus Christ, that person is doomed yes. for e- eternal damnation. There's no salvation, There's no salvation outside of Christ. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And when I, I look for opportunity, Paul says, you know, look for an opportunity, every opportunity you, you have, you just share it. When I on the bank line, yes, I look for the most insignificant thing to talk to somebody. I, I open a conversation. You're looking and praying, praying at the same time to turn a conversation to spiritual, spiritual things. Exactly. Right. I love to do that too. Yeah, and I and I look the simple thing. I can look on that, that paper and take an evangelistic approach to that white paper. That's great. I'll tell you a quick story. We were blessed to go on a cruise, my wife and I, uh, recently. And there was a meat carving station on the food line. Mm-hmm. And so I got talking to the meat carver. And, and long story short, I mentioned that my grandfather was in heaven. Mm-hmm. And the carver, the meat carver said, well, I hope you'll meet him in heaven. I said, oh, I don't have to hope. I know. Uh-huh. And here's why I know. This is what my grandfather believed. And I went through the gospel. Mm-hmm. But you're quite right. It's exciting. And God will help us turn our conversations mm-hmm. to spiritual mm-hmm. things. Like sometimes, you know, my neighbors will pass. Mm-hmm. I said, good morning. How mm-hmm. are you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I said, why do you thank Jesus? Why do you thank Jesus? Because he woke me up this morning. Yes. And I will turn it right into a spiritual conversation. We have a conversation going. And I will be sharing the gospel with him at the same time. That, that is great. And it's a lifestyle, it's isn't it? It's a lifestyle, it? yeah. Uh, when years ago we had a car... Um, uh, here in the Bahamas, it's a Toyota Vitz, but it was a different Toyota name where I was in Canada. But I never saw one Toyota Vitz before I had one. Oh. <laughs> and then once I had one, I saw them everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like that with sharing our faith, that unless we're looking for the opportunities mm-hmm. that God is giving, then we might miss them. Mm-hmm. But they're there. Right there. Those opportunities are always right there. Mm-hmm. Priscilla, thank you so much for sharing a bit about the spiritual disciplines of your redeemed life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it'll be a blessing to uh, those who hear us on the radio. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Yes. Dear Lord, thank you for Priscilla. Thank you for uh, her humble life. Uh, her life given over to the doing of your will. Thank you for what you've taught her over her years in Christ. Thank you for um, the way you're continuing to use her. And Lord, we uh, also thank you for each person who is listening, those that are redeemed, uh, converted, born again. We pray that all of us would grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior including things in our spiritual disciplines of everyday Christian life, of your word and prayer Mm. and sharing our faith or witnessing. Lord, help us to grow in these areas for your glory. Mm. Lord, I also pray this morning for those who may be listening 
who are listening for any number of reasons, but they're not yet Christians. Mm -hmm. They're not yet saved. They're not yet redeemed. They're not yet trusting Christ and Christ alone to get them to heaven. Mm -hmm. They're probably decent living people, probably. They probably maybe even consider themselves religious people. Mm -hmm. But, oh, God, I pray that these special listeners would understand that you love them and you've proven it. It says in Romans 5, 8 that you have demonstrated your love toward us in this, Mm -hmm. that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. So help the precious person listening without salvation today to believe that you love them, that you've proven it on the cross of Calvary, Mm -hmm. and that salvation from sin and Satan and self and hell are only in Jesus and not in knowing about him, but going past knowing about him to trusting him and only him to make them right with you, Father. Lord, I pray that listeners could even transfer their trust to Christ for salvation with a prayer such as this, not a magical prayer, talking to God. Make this your prayer. Listener, if you know that you're not saved or you're not sure if you are saved, make this your prayer from where you listen. Mm -hmm. Dear Lord, I thank you that you are righteous Mm -hmm. and merciful. I thank you that you are gracious and that you have provided a way for me to become a part of your family, to be cleansed of my sin, to be made new from the inside out in the best way I know how right now I place my full and complete trust on Jesus Christ on his person and on his work I believe that he died in my place I believe that he was raised from the dead on the third day by the Heavenly Father I believe that he will save me as I call out to him in faith and belief. I pray that I would do that right now. And the best way I know how, I trust Jesus and only Jesus to be my Savior from sin. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray too for a new life to be expressed in me, Mm -hmm. that I would have new appetites and interests, uh, new passions, uh, a holy turning away from sin, Mm. uh, starting new to walk in the ways of God. And listener, if you do not have a Bible-believing church, you're cordially invited to come to visit us at Calvary Bible Church, 62 Collins Avenue, Nassau. But Lord, if if believers um, live elsewhere, we pray they would search out a Bible-believing church, and be there this Lord's Day next week to start their growth in you. Lord, thank you for this time uh, visiting about the greatness of your word, the greatness of the privilege of prayer, and the greatness of the salvation we can have in Christ. Help us to share that message of salvation liberally, prayerfully, consistently, And we ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.
You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Today, our worship service begins at 10.30 a.m. in the sanctuary located at 62 Collins Avenue. We invite you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or write us at P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.